We're live. Yes. Yes. There we go. Ow. And he's back. Welcome back, Matt. Thanks, guys. Hi, Matt. Hi. It's been an interesting week or two. <laughs> For <laughs> everyone in this world, I would I would say. Yeah, definitely. Yes. I've, I, you know, I, I've been <clears throat> somewhat distracted on my own island here with so many things going on. Uh, moving into a new house, but uh, yeah, obviously there's there's definitely a lot happening in the world right now, and I, you know I think it's kind of a, it's a good thing that I've been able to pay attention to what I could, but also have been focused on a daily basis on so many things directly in front of me, just trying to do the good stuff I have to do around here. Um, but yeah, we can we can dig into that stuff before we get into anything. Let's introduce the guy on this podcast with the best mustache of all guests of all time. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm pretty, I don't know about that. Pretty I mean, sure. We've only had so many. I, maybe zero. <laughs> right, right. First. Surely it's a small, small list. I could be default number one, sure. I don't know. I, I think it will be all time, no matter what. <laughs> so uh, so our guest is, um, is Chris Allison, who is a... Uh, insanely talented musician. He is a drummer and an educator who I've had the privilege of touring with um, when we tour with Pliny. You are you are Pliny's full-time guy, I think, at this at this point. Um, you know, I, I, I think, that, you know, I know there's... As, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, but you, you play in a lot of... You, you've played and I think are involved in a lot of other different musical projects... Um, I know you're, as I said, a very active educator, um, and it's it was it, it is an honor anytime I get to hang out with you um, and watch you play drums because you're you're absolutely one of my favorite drummers. And uh, we 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 have a number of drummers I think in our audience, so if they're not familiar with you, they should look you up, Chris Allison. Um, but my uh, the the thing that impresses me most about you is your ability to, to move very smoothly between groove, creativity with soloing, but then also knowing exactly when to play the right parts for the song, even if that means playing something that is completely abstract. You, un, you, you just have such a great breadth of knowledge for different genres and different time signatures and different types of feel, and you're playing with amazing musicians and you just are at home in, in all of those settings. Um, and I think that's really impressive because it, you just don't see a lot of drummers who have the ability to encompass all of that, um, you know, at, at, at once and at will, you know, in a, in a tempered way. So I don't want to keep going on about that. But I will say, too, the other thing that, that I love about you is that, um, and I learned this on the last tour specifically, we talked a bit about this with Ronnie uh, a yeah, couple, I listened to that one. Yeah, a couple episodes ago, um, but you know, you're you're mild mannered, and you're you're calm and quiet most of the time. But when you're with your boys, you got to scream, yeah. boy. I mean, you can yell. Yeah, 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 we we get loud. We get loud for sure. So yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah w when it comes time, yeah, I don't, it doesn't look like much right now, but it. It gets loud. For that, sure. The mustache just blows across the room <laughs> when you yell. It's like you can feel the power. Uh, and I shared a video with these guys of you, the one that we have from the bandwagon of you yelling at Pliny. Now go to bed. 
<laughs> right, yeah. That's one yeah. of many. Um, but, yes. we, but we were talking yes. about, was it you that was yelling at Raul that day in Charlotte? Um, or was that, or no, that wasn't. That was, um, that was I, I yell so much, I lose track of when I was doing it or not. So it, it could have been, it could have been Jake. Um, I think it was Jake now that I think about it. But Jake has a, a very, very extremely excellent yell. So yeah. He does. Well, yeah. so do Justin and Jordan. Um, you know, they, they do a bit of screaming as part of some therapeutic, actually, uh, therapeutic sessions. In our screamo band. Hell yeah. In Jordan. Your, <laughs> yeah. Justin, you look like you are a, a bass player in a screamo band right now who also sings background really, vocals. That's, um, <clears throat> I am. I'm Which in is, Fellini. <laughs> yes. <laughs> screamo band Fellini. Um, anyway, well, so Chris, there's obviously, I mean, there's, there's been a shit ton of stuff happening in the world over the past three months. Um, not, you know, not, not even including what's been going on in the world the past week or two. Um, mm-hmm. But you and I had a little bit of a chance to kind of talk personally about kind of just your day and and how you've sort of adapted to being at home and and not really traveling, which is something that's normally part of your life quite often. Mm -hmm. Um, And our listeners always like to hear about kind of how people, you know, weather the storm, so to speak, um, how they've adapted and and what sort of... um, different behaviors or different, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, routines. Routines. Thank you. That they've adopted. So, uh, you know, yeah. I'm curious kind of what your day is like. Um, and maybe that's a good place to start. And then we can kind of dig into kind of what's happening with you otherwise and how things are affecting you right now. Yeah, sure. Um, realistically my days now aren't all that different from when I'd be home anyway. Um, I don't have a regular job, so um, I don't have places to be um, most of the time. So um, my day will just start with coffee, um, uh, which I you know, lovingly make every morning and, and uh, make sure I take it to my partner, uh, Amy, in bed when she's, uh, when she's not working. So uh, do the good boyfriend thing. Um, and then it's just music for the rest of the day, more or less. Um, the only difference at the moment um, would be I generally like to go to the gym um, and I'll do that, you know, five to six times a week. Normally, uh, at the moment, gyms are still closed here. So um, that's been the, the one kind of thing that's changed, I suppose. Um, but realistically, for the most part, nothing has changed in my day-to-day routine. Um, I'm still, I've still been able to go to my um, practice space, um, which has been great. So I can, I can practice drums and, and, you know, uh, I've had a few projects to, to work on over this, during this time, which has been great, um, which has really taken uh, my mind off um, <laughs> kind of the, 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 the work that I lost um, because of, of COVID, um, you know, it's looking increasingly like nothing's going to happen for the rest of the year in terms of touring. So the fact that I've had some other projects um, to keep me busy has been really great um, and has, has helped um, my motivation in, in just getting up, you know, not, not just giving into it and, and uh, 
just going, oh, well, the world's screwed, so I'm just not going to do anything. Um, you know, it's it's been great in just I've got a purpose to get up in the morning, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's what a lot of people seem to um, miss or, or lack is that, that they don't have a purpose if they can't go to work and, and – and if they don't have something they like a hobby they can do or something, it can kind of feel a bit, um, I don't know, overwhelming. Um, so, which I totally understand. Um, but thankfully, because because of music, I, I'm able to, you know, get up and, and get going pretty easily. Um, even if it's just practicing, like I, I'm not normally, uh, I'm not normally like one to write out much of my practice. Like I'm, I know. People like Benny Greb talk about doing that all the time, um, and I think he can recite back to you everything that he's practiced over the last twenty years or whatever because he's writ- written it all down. So that is not something that um, uh, I've I've really done in the past, but um, I started doing that, and it actually helped with motivation a little bit. So, um, so even just with practice, I've I've found I've I've. Um, being able to see improvements and, and work on stuff that I've been meaning to work on for a long time, but just haven't had the time because of touring or, or something like that. So, um, you know, like I said, realistically, day-to-day hasn't changed all that much um, outside of just I've got a bit fatter. Uh, <laughs> I suppose that's the only <laughs> the only difference. So, um, I, I have a question for you, man. But but first, I want to say, Matt, that was either your dogs wrestling or the shower caving in again. That was the dogs <laughs> coming down the stairs on the wood floors. <laughs> and Henry's like 145 pounds now, so you hear him coming. Um, right. But I think they went to the basement, um, and then they could just play down there. So that's good. Hell yeah, that's no joke. Yep. Um, so, so, Chris, uh, I know much of your time prior to this has been spent performing drums and, and, and traveling. Um, but, but I'm just curious, can you kind of like give me a snapshot over the past few years of your life, just so me and others who aren't as familiar with your career can understand like what the rhythms of, of your life has been as far as uh, time at home uh, and, and time away performing? Yeah, sure, man. Um I realistically didn't become like a, a, a full-time touring musician until I started playing with Pliny um, uh, at the end of 2017. Um, so prior to that, I was doing more national um, touring, I suppose, like just doing tours around Australia um, with various acts. Um, and I was teaching full-time at that time. So um, I was teaching, you know, five to six days a week, um, and then gigs on, on the weekend. Um, so it was, pre- it was a lot more low key in that kind of sense, I suppose. Like I wasn't away heaps, um, you know, gigs were generally, kind of, I, li- I live in Sydney. So like most of my gigs were in Sydney. Occasionally I'd be going to, you know, um, Melbourne and, and Brisbane and, and whatnot. Um, but it was a, it was a much more, um, home kind of centric life, I suppose, um, but it wasn't until, yeah, I think, um, I, I did a couple of filling gigs for plenty at the end of 2017 and I went to Japan shortly after for a tour, um, with another band seems, um, that I play in. Um, and that was kind of from then on, it's been, I've been overseas 
you know, most of the year kind of outside of that. So, um, yeah, that's kind of been it. So I was a full-time teacher. Um, and then once I got the call to join Pliny, it wasn't going to be viable to um, hold on to those students just because a lot of them were kids um, or, or teenagers. And at that kind of age, I, I think it's unfair to just be coming in and out um, and just being like, hey, I'm going to be away for, uh, you know, eight weeks and then I'll be back in, in, in a w- for a week after that and then I'm heading off again. Um, so I, ha- I had to let a lot of uh, all of those students go more or less um, to accommodate the touring because um, uh, it was an opportunity I, I really didn't want to pass up. Um, uh, it's one of those kind of things like to, to get to tour the world it's something you, when you first pick up sticks or, or whatever instrument you play is such a foreign kind of concept of like, oh, yeah, I can go play in Italy or I can go play in, in England or, you know, particularly in Australia, we're in the middle of nowhere where um, it's difficult to get anywhere um, other than places in Australia. Um, and even then, you know, like Melbourne is a 10 hour drive um, from Sydney. Oh, nine, 10 hour drive from Sydney. Um, it's not like it's, it's, it's different to the States where you've got 50 States, whereas Australia has more or more, more or less the same land mass, but we've got five States and two territories. So it's, it's, um, it's very different in that kind of sense. So, um, yeah, once I got the, the, the call to start touring with Pliny full time, um, I was like, yeah, well, this is what I've kind of worked towards in terms of, um, playing for, for, for so long. And so I, I have to take this opportunity and if it lasts a year, great, you know, um, I'll, I've got to do that and, and, um, and I can go back to teaching full time if that's, a, if it doesn't work out or, you know, whatever the case of may be. But, you know, it's been two and a half years now. And besides the, the whole COVID thing, it's been, you know, pretty busy throughout that whole two and a half years, um, which has been great. And, uh, you know, I've, I've got to meet a, a lot of fantastic people I wouldn't have otherwise met, you know, um, you guys and, and Matt included, of, of course, and then any other bands that we've toured with, like, yeah, it's been it's been pretty surreal, um, to be honest. And I've gone to, got to go to a lot of places that I never, ever thought I'd go to, like India, uh, China, um, Russia. Um, that still kind of blows my mind that, that I, I, I've been able to do that and like, oh, I've been on the Great Wall and I've, I've been on the Great Wall because I play music. Like that's so um, still, yeah, like I said, surreal. Um, yeah. yeah, particularly coming from Australia again, like where it is so difficult to get to other places in the world and, and even get, you know, to a certain degree getting your music heard just because... Um, and it's not my music, it's, it's obviously Pliny's music, but, you know, he's also in, in just as lucky a, a space. And I don't mean to say there's no hard work and, and talent or anything behind it, but there is an element of luck, you know. Um, you know, we've all, well, I've been in 10 trillion bands over, over my career, and some of them have done, had a certain level of success, others have not. Um but to have the level of success that, that he's had is, um, and from a pretty young age, is pretty 
pretty remarkable. Um, so again, it was just, um, I had to jump at that opportunity, um, because yeah, who wouldn't, what's interesting about what you just said about Pliny, obviously, I mean, his music's awesome. I love his writing. Uh, I think it's great, but there's, Mm. there's something to be said too about the chemistry that all of you guys have together when you're together. It doesn't ever seem to me like it's just like Pliny as a solo artist with a band that he's hired. It's very much a, a, a band, like a unit. Um, sure. And I think it's definitely that there's some magic to that that allows you guys to tour as much as you do to go out with bands that you know that you that you guys have been out with to, to to get the opportunities you do. I mean, everybody in the band who tours with you is a great person, is fun to be around, knows how to be professional. Um, that there's there's it just works really well. So I, I think there might be some luck involved. Uh, hey, Henry, no, my dog's trying to attack my cat. It's a madhouse <laughs> here. I think there's definitely some some luck involved. You know, being where you guys are from, but it's more than just the sum of the music. It's it's absolutely the sum of all the parts of of the the unit that's created when you guys are together, which I think is great. Um, and I wrote I wrote down a couple notes next to me because there's there's a couple things you touched on. Um, two questions that I want to ask. They're very far apart from each other, but I'll start sure. with the one that's that's music based. So you mentioned that prior to being on the road, you were teaching full-time, you were teaching young students or teenagers. In my experience as a teacher, and I'm sure Justin um, and Jordan, you both can relate to this as well, working with people of all ages in your professions, I found it to be very challenging to work with kids, young teenagers, um, to, to really like... Well... If they're really motivated, if they love the instrument, it's easy because they're like sponges and they want to be there. They soak it up. But if you're in a situation where like the parent has enrolled them in an after school activity or, you know, they're just playing an instrument because they should and they pick the drums and then you're the lucky teacher. I guess where I'm going with this is as a professional teacher, what are some of the things that you've developed um, curriculum wise, or even just interpersonally, how do you approach a student of any age, or or I should say of a young age, that is a bit more challenging, either in terms of just attention span, because they're very young, or they don't necessarily want to be there, but their parents want them there, or they're just kind of, you know, testing the waters. I'm sure you've encountered those scenarios. So I'm curious what your um, approach is to that. And then, you know, Jordan, obviously you teaching drums as well. I would imagine you've tackled that as well. So it'd be cool to, to, to talk about that. But yeah, Chris, I'm curious to hear what you have to say. Yeah, man. I think um, the thing I learned pretty quickly with that is, and it seems obvious, but it, sometimes it, it, it's not until you see the obvious that you understand that it is obvious, but every person is, is, different you know so every everyone learns completely differently so i when i first started teaching i thought i could just have this kind of list of things that i need to get through and then 
boom, there's a, a, a great drummer. I quickly learned that, no, uh, the way I learned is completely different to how everyone else does. You know, I, I, I was relating everything to, to my experience, um, uh, which is, you know, just how I am and I, I know how I learn and, 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 and everything else, but uh, everyone is completely different. So I, I learned quickly that the first lesson, I just try and figure out what type of learner they are. Um, particularly with, with young kids, um, I found that some kids just wanted to make as much noise as possible um, and, and just have a lot of fun. And they didn't, you know, I had a lot of young students that would be like, oh, so um, what, do you listen to any music? And they'd be like, no. I was like, okay, well, I can't relate to that because I started playing drums because I was listening to music, not because I saw the drums and went, I want to do that. What is music? I don't know what music is, but I want to play the drums. It was just a a very different mindset. So um, the thing that I I really did was just I tried to make the lessons as as fun, as enjoyable as possible. I didn't, particularly with with the younger kids, I wasn't drilling rudiments or, or anything really um, in particular like that. I just wanted to make sure that they um, had a, uh, just having the fundamentals down, holding the stick as correctly as they can, um, but not um, beating down on, on, on them if their pinky comes out or if they're doing something that they shouldn't be doing. Um, I just want to make sure that, that, yeah, they're having fun playing the drums um and if they want to become a professional drummer later they can figure that out later but it's really just a, yeah enjoying the instrument um which is i'm sure for anyone that's ever picked up an instrument the first reason you pick it up is to have fun or because it looks fun um i tried to to never kind of forget that um even even now when it's you know my livelihood and it's work i'm still trying to make sure that yeah music's meant to be fun you know, it's, it's, um, yeah. So I try and relay that as much as I can. And, you know, if it's just a matter of, Hey, you don't really know much about music. You don't know anything except for the music of Minecraft or, or, you know, some video game that they play. Um, let's hear, here's, um, we will rock you by queen. This is a, a nice way to kind of introduce rhythms and, and a, in a song form, and it's a song that any child will will get behind, you know. Like it's it's just a, a it's a simple pop song in in its in its structure and whatnot. So there's not a, and there's not a lot going on drum wise, right. but they play that and they feel like a million dollars because oh my god, I played a song and it's a song they probably heard as well. You know, We Will Rock You. It's pretty ubiquitous around the world. Um, and it's a percussion-driven song. There's no other instruments until the guitar solo at the end. It's Freddie and and drums. So, you know, when they're playing along and they hear the big drums of We Will Rock You, it's like the, the, the look on their face is just, oh, my God. Um, they love it. So, you know, having fun, um, I really try and um, make sure that that's at the forefront of my lessons, um, kind of regardless of the age. Um, but obviously when you start to get into, um, teaching teenagers and whatnot, um, they have a a better understanding of what concepts are and they, they understand how to learn 
differently than say a, an eight-year-old does. Um, so then you, I found that, you know, once I started teaching kids like teenagers, you know, 12, 13, 14, um, I could start to kind of hone in on certain aspects of playing rather than um, I, could, I could get more serious basically, I suppose, and, and start talking about technique and how to approach learning songs and, and, and approach playing, playing music rather than playing drums as well. If, if that makes sense. Um, so early on, it's very much about just having fun and playing drums, but then the older you get, you want to play music. So, and a lot of them are starting to play in school music programs, so it's essential that they know, you know, know their role within within that. So, um, I think that kind of hopefully answers your question. Um, yeah, well, the, and the, yeah. it does. And the thing that I I like about it is is the the fun aspect. But like, I think Jordan, I'm going to tee this up to you because it's literally like what you focused your whole career on is like getting people involved in an ensemble with rhythm to make them feel part of something to help communicate feelings, emotions, excitement, and maybe even exposing them to something like a new instrument that they can then take up beyond that. But I don't know, I w as, as you were talking about that, Chris, I just like was thinking about Jordan and how that is what you do with Beatwell. Essentially, you get people to play together whether they play or not. Yeah, the, the, the way I think about Beatwell is I help, quote, non-musicians, people who typically don't play drums or an instrument, uh, to help them understand the natural rhythm with them, within them uh, and ultimately the natural musicianship within them and then how they can express that to connect with other human beings. Uh, for me, I, I, you know, there, there's the title of musician or there's the role of drummer, but ultimately underneath all this shit is a human being. And that's kind of my broader philosophy. Uh, Chris, you and I are very aligned in, in some of the ways that we uh, think about how we educate uh, drummers in that every single person is different. And I've found that I can get people to come on board with me as an educator uh, if I simply just respect them for who they are, right? So when I have students, the first lesson, you know, I'm going to ask, like, what is it about drumming that interests you? You know, what kind of music do you like? And I found that in recent years, uh, most of the, the younger students I have don't have favorite bands and they don't have uh, favorite songs. Uh, they like music from video games and things on YouTube. And so that's what I start with. You know, you got to meet people where they are. Uh, no different than if you're trying to uh, sell uh, your service as a business. You got to meet your customer where they are. Uh, people need to feel heard, and ultimately people need to feel respected uh, if you have a shot of them maybe following you somewhere, right? So if I'm working with a kid uh, with what they're interested in, then we start developing trust. And then maybe after a few lessons, I could be like, yo, you like that? Uh, well, let me show you something that I'm into uh, where I see some parallel. And maybe they'd be more open-minded to uh, exploring something more novel. Uh, what I also liked about what Chris shared is just getting them playing, right? I, I've never been into really using books. I document everything that I share as a way to keep track and also so they can learn how to uh, read uh, what they're playing. Um, but I never worked with books uh, in, the, in the traditional sense. You know, I know what it's like to have a lesson where uh, 
we work on number one and then number two, and then next week we work on number three and number four. Yeah. Uh, that's, yes. that's mind-numbing. That's lazy. It's just yeah. lazy as an educator. Yeah. Um, and, and quite frankly, I think it's disrespectful. On the flip, I have met parents who have said, uh, I don't know if, if the, the, the student felt the same way, but a- after a couple lessons, they decided not to continue lessons with me uh, because the parents felt that uh, my approach wasn't the best fit for their child uh, because I wasn't as uh, rigid. Yeah. Uh, again, who knows if that was more reflective of the parents' uh, hopes or vision for what a lesson should be uh, or that was truly reflective of how the student best learns. Everyone's different. Some people may prefer uh, something more rigid and traditional in that sense. Um, but, but a goal of mine by the end of every lesson, whether it's a 30-minute lesson or, I mean, pretty much every lesson that I, I'm, I'm willing to take on now it lasts for an hour, uh, I want someone to p- play with music that they listen to and enjoy. Um, mm. And it's as simple as an eighth-note groove, you know, and I just break it down into four parts. So number one is the hi-hat and the kick. Number two is the hi-hat. Number three is the snare and the hi-hat. And number four is the hi-hat by itself again. It's uh-huh. so simple. But if we just build that repetition, and then I explain to them, here's how muscle memory works. And if you just trust the process, and ultimately if they trust me, uh, if they can get those four notes in succession over and over, uh, then you can match that with pretty much any song that exists that someone on their first lesson would be interested in. Once they're in it and doing that and they feel successful, well, then it's like, boom, like they, they, they buy in so much more because it doesn't feel like uh, six months of hard work to get to just to taste what it's like to, to create music. Yeah, that, that, that's the rewarding part for both of you, right? You know, when, when there is that buy-in of like, oh, like okay, I can do this and I want to do this and I want to go to that, that next step. It's funny that you mentioned that you've had parents say like, hey, your teaching style is not for me. That's definitely happened to me in the past too. But what's also happened, I may have talked about this on, on episodes before, is like I've had to go to parents and be like, hey, like your kid doesn't want to play drums and you're wasting your money and you're wasting my time. And I've had some parents be like, wow, thank you for being honest. Like I'll enroll them in something else. And then usually I'm like, yeah, they told me what they want to do. Why don't you ask your kid so they can tell you too? Cause it's not drumming, it's soccer <laughs> or whatever it is, you know? Um, yeah. but then I've also had parents be like, yeah, I appreciate it. But, um, how about I pay you $20 more an hour and you continue to work with my son, uh, for the rest of the year this day, because I want to be able to sit back and have a moment of peace while you're sure. dealing with my maniac child. <laughs> um, Baby, babysitting. It, it essentially yeah, yeah, yeah. is. And like with students, there's been a couple students like that over time. One of whom I think I've, again, I talked about, but like I've had to bargain with like, all right, let's do 10 minutes of playing. And then we could do 10 minutes of like whatever game you want to go play, you know, we'll go play. And, uh-huh. and you know what? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's fine. Uh, one of my favorite students, I mean, he's now uh, early in, in college. Uh, I started with him when he was six, and uh, wow. and, and he exhibited, exhibited behaviors that you know some would say are ADHD, and some psychiatrists would put him on medicine when he was six. Um, I think his parents were smart enough to realize 
uh, hey, we're going to homeschool him for right now. Um, but I kept him on a really long leash. So, I mean, he was just trying to get as much energy out. Uh, he's fucking six years old. That's what six-year-olds like need to do. And maybe they don't often have the outlets uh, that some other kids do. And drumming resonates for whatever reason for them. I kept him on a very long leash. Uh, but in doing so, he developed trust with me. And he'd be more willing over the years to, uh, to give me more of his attention, to give me more of his attention. If he needs a break, take a break. Now, of course, we're not going to spend uh, the majority of the lesson doing that. Um, and, and I made sure that we would have something tangible uh, that we could say at the end of the lesson that this is what we worked on. Um, but 10 years later, uh, I'm watching this teenager that I've worked with for more than uh, half of his life performing at Baltimore Soundstage, like a legitimate venue in Baltimore City with a real sound system. Uh, And uh, it was a dream of his that came true. But for me, it was a dream of mine because I got to literally help mentor someone to not only live out his dream, but it was the same dream I had when I was a child. Um, and, And I credit him for putting in the fucking work, but I also credit me for not trying to force him Uh, to be someone that he wasn't. Uh, The Mm. last thing I want to share, and then I'm curious on Justin's perspective, uh, I think it's important to understand uh, the why. Like, why someone wants to have a music lesson. Some people want to be in a band. Some people want to uh, fuck girls. Uh, Some people people want to get into a music program. Um, Some of my students... uh, say that they take drum lessons because it gives them self-esteem. It gives them identity to feel like, hey, I can do something in the world. Um, I had a, Matt, you met a, a student of mine that uh, I worked with him until he was like in his mid-70s. Yeah. yeah. And I think he would agree that one of the biggest things that he got from my lessons was learning uh, to accept uh, mistakes within himself as a human being as I demonstrated to him, it's okay to mess up as we're learning how to play the drums. Um, and, and it gave him a sense of entering his body and being less stuck in his mind all the time. Um, so, I, you know, and as a licensed psychotherapist, I often get drum set students or guitar students uh, because they're on the autism spectrum or they uh, have been diagnosed with, with attention uh, issues. And I realize most of these students don't care about getting on stage and most of them don't even care about uh, writing their own songs. Um, but the drums can be a means of, again, these greater uh, opportunities for growth as a human being underneath uh, the identity of drummer. I think back from, from uh, five years old and Jordan and I being brothers, you know, our, our parents uh, sign us up for piano lessons. And they would, you know, I'm riding my bike, come inside, middle C with the thumb, right? And I was fucking horrible. I mean, I was horrible. Jordan could play a whole song. And Chris, to your point about this idea of the power of playing a song, it was also really devastating to not be able to, like, play anything, but to be spending all this time doing it. And we had this very, like, you know, classic lady who came over, the piano teacher in the in the neighborhood kind of thing, and she would teach us, but... I don't think she did or, or put the time into meeting us where we were. Because for me, I mean, I was five. I don't. I have no idea where <laughs> I was. No idea where I was. And it's actually, it's really inspiring to, and, and I'm sitting here smiling, 
just thinking about when I watch when I've watched Jordan give lessons, and, and uh, I mean, look, Matt and I have been there for a lot of them where we're training in the other side of the basement, and Jordan's in giving a lesson. And and what's really wonderful is even though you're here for a drum lesson, there's a piano, there's a guitar, there are these other pieces that you can kind of like tactile go touch and play and it's still rhythm i mean you can still play with two fingers and do some kind of roll or play an eighth note a 16th bar whatever it may be but it's it's like this instant kind of gratitude or, or, or uh, instant gratification rather where just like when you hit when you hit a drum you can just hit the drum and you go oh i got it you know i made a sound this is really cool whereas piano was instant but like making a cool sound was really tough to do and then when we switched to guitar and bass it was the kind of the same thing but it really Look, it, it took the right teacher for me to make a connection, for me to then take those lessons into teaching, you know, uh, in life and what I do, um, where, where they said, well, what are you into? What kind of, you know, gets you going these days? At, at nine years old, I mean, I wasn't really sure, but I knew, like, Limp Biscuit was getting me going. You know, corn was getting me going. So for them to just say, like, oh, let me try my best to teach you how to play these songs. So when you go home you feel really good. Like at the end of the lesson, just like if I'm training someone or if I'm working with someone in nutrition, like I want them to like leave feeling good. Yep. You know, and ultimately if I can give them like one nugget of value or one nugget, one good piece of advice that they leave and they keep kind of thinking about like, man, that was awesome. Like, like if I can play four notes, this one little intro to this song, I'm on like cloud nine. And I think a lot of people go with this, cookie cutter because maybe that's how they were taught and, and i have empathy for people like that that hey today you're gonna put the, the 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 book on on the little stand and you're gonna play number one and that number one might not feel good to you but this is how i teach sure and i'm not gonna really pivot from that and i think it's really you know of course it's really unfortunate when I've, I've watched jordan have and i and maybe i'm thinking about the same student that he was talking about but like literally where he's had a student come in and it's like just play and maybe right now you're going to play the bass and I'm and I'm and Jordan's just going to play the drums and whatever comes out let's just go for it and then fast forward maybe 15 years later and we go and see one of one of his students bands and the two of us are like looking at each other like dude like are you kidding i mean this is phenomenal it is so fantastic and i mean you know i think i think as a as a teacher uh, as a person uh, there there's there's no better gift you know and and Actually, with that thought process, Chris, I'm curious, have you, have you had those moments as a teacher? Uh, and, and I also just wanted to say quickly that I went and I, I watched some of your teaching, and I think there's this really endearing, lovely quality about you as a human being that I think is, is uh, a really, really important, these really important traits that you have that I think is really inviting and brings people in. So I could see why people would go to you and feel naturally comfortable to maybe open up and tell them who they are and what they're looking for. Uh, and, and I see that being great qualities in you as a teacher. Oh, well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, well, it's, it, I think to, to your question, um, funnily enough, a, a more recent kind of example, um, we, Pliny, uh, Simon Grove, uh, who plays bass for Pliny, and, and myself were invited to um, teach at a music camp in, in the Czech Republic. Um, uh, maybe two two years ago, roughly, um, and you know, we can say what we will about the camp itself and and maybe the organisation behind it, but uh, the the most gratifying thing was we 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 uh, 
we were put in in uh, like an ensemble. Okay, so Pliny and I got paired up, and we got put with a bunch of students who would, you know, of varying ages from from around the Czech Republic, and we had to write a song um, with them to perform at the end of the the week. Um, and I think we had, you know. Actually, it wasn't a week. I think it was like three three days to put together this song. And the idea was to to write the song collectively. It wasn't like, okay, well, Pliny and I, the, the professional musicians, we're going to write everything and tell you guys what to do. It was very much like a, we were a band and it was a very democratic kind of um, uh, thing. And, you know, we started off and it was kind of like, oh, we're getting to know each other a lot and we... It was kind of fast tracks in in this kind of way, but you know, getting up and playing that song at the end of that, and and seeing how much more confident the the guys had gotten that were in the band, like to them, it was like, oh my god, we're playing with these professional musicians, and we're we're kind of hanging, you know what I mean? It's not like we we treated them as equals. It wasn't, you know, we're, we're above them or anything like that. So to see from where they started off on on the first day to where they ended up. When we performed, um, yeah, it was it was fairly amazing. Like particularly um, the bass player, um, uh, he he was just focused on getting better the whole time, and and even just in that three to four days, like he he just became like we were just like oh my god, like MVP right there, you know. Um, uh, and getting up and, and being able to play with those guys and and to see that growth, like that is. <clears throat> A, a very shorter example of you know um, Jordan getting to see that that um, his student after he's he's been teaching like like you said over half his life um, you've been a part of his life and and getting to see that see that growth in him and and be part of that growth as well you know that's it can't not be um, uh, something that you take on board and 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 something to be proud of um, just as much as they're proud to you know, you're proud of them, they're proud to know you and, and whatnot, so it's, yeah, there's plenty of examples of things like that where you just go, oh my God, I helped, I helped that in some way, you know, whether it be I played a major role like, like Jordan has um, with a lot of his students or in, in the instance I just mentioned where it was a, a short, you know, um, week-long camp, um, yeah. But you can't discount those camps uh, you know, I've done a, I've done quite a few of them now, and the 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 education part, like on the instrument, is always cool. But I would imagine for you too, during that camp, you probably had a lot of time at meals, after meals, after lessons, hang time, where the real education and bonding takes place, and um, that's why I'm not. I'm thinking on my toes here, but but that is why I really enjoy um, the community that has been built around this podcast because we have the episodes, of course, which are like, you know, the focused work to some degree, but there's so much other conversation and there's so much other uh, moments of learning and growth that I've seen occur uh, either in the group or in outside conversations that I've had with people personally and you guys have had. And um, that's the beauty of any sort of uh, interaction with a group of people, small or big, that has a uh, sort of a like-minded focus or, or a like-minded um, purpose. 
you know, to, to what they want to do. And I found too, and I'm sure all of you guys can relate to this. And, you know, Justin, I, I know it's, you know, your coaching, at least on a normal basis, is different in that it's based on physical exercise and nutrition. However, I know personally from talking to you about it, there's a number of of clients that you have that have definitely transcended into way more than just teaching them how to have proper form and eat well. There's a lot of depth and, and emotional talk and things that, that have occurred. Um, I find that with any students that I've had the chance to work with more than once, I would say, and sometimes even once, the majority of the lessons aren't even about drumming. It's like we, we hit that one drumming topic and somehow through that topic ends up opening up what's really going on in their lives. What's, what, what they're really struggling with, that drumming is sort of a nice escape for them and, and the accomplishment of learning something new helps them you know, get past. But like, and you guys know some of my students, longtime students that have absolutely transcended from drum students to like, people that I mentor, you know, or, or, and not even like on purpose, you know, just people who have said, Hey, like, I want to come to you and ask you these questions. So uh, the reason I bring this up is because I think there's a very, uh, very important responsibility as a teacher to not go by the book, you know, um, and, and, and to be open-minded because so much of, of teaching isn't, giving information to somebody else. It's actually listening to how you can sort of help that person go in the right direction. And it's just little pushes here and there. And if you need to show examples or talk, you know, talk about topics or concepts, you can, but so much of it is like trying to figure out, okay, what is this person going through? Where are they coming from? What has shaped their personality and, and, and their interests? Um, how do they learn? Like you said before, Chris, and just being ready to accept that. And the point that I'm getting to here beyond the podcast and beyond everything else is teaching so many different people, uh, over the past bunch of years, I think has, if I really think about it, it's really contributed to, um, my ability when I exercise it to be a better listener and to be more empathetic where I need mm -hmm. to be with understanding people. Um, and I always tell my students, you know, if you want to be a better drummer or a better bandmate or just a, in a better relationship, teach, go, but, but do it the right way. Like go work with somebody who needs help and find out what they need help with and see if you can push them in the right direction. Don't just like teach the things that you were taught exactly, you know, um, you know, they always say, if you can explain something to somebody, that's the best way to learn it yourself. But beyond, or, or I should say before explaining something to somebody, you have to know how to explain it and in what way it's actually going to connect. And that just really, again, it transcends music or lessons or it's, it's interpersonal, right? It's, it's, it's relationships. It's how we deal with each other. It's how we learn on a daily basis from our partners or our bandmates or our, our, our friends, you know, and just one sec, we, the three of us, 
Chris, me, uh, Jordan and Justin had a call the other day where we were sort of talking about like, Hey, you know, how do we want to approach addressing the state of the world right now? Because it's not something that mm -hmm. we just can, can a rock we can leave unturned. Um, and I don't know if I would have felt as comfortable expressing um, to them my personal feelings about it because it's not something that I typically talk about publicly. Um, mm -hmm. if, if there wasn't a real sense of trust that's been developed over the years um, that's come from listening to them. By listening to them, I've learned who they are as people and I've, I, I've, I've, I, know, I trust that I can speak my mind clearly about any topic and there won't be judgment on that other end of it, um, mm. you know, in any way. And um, so I guess my point is it's like through teaching, you learn how to listen and through listening, you learn how to be a better person uh, interacting with other people. And we talk about listening a lot on this podcast because it's a very hard skill to use correctly. It's we hear shit all day, but like how often do you really <laughs> listen and 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 put your your focus and your presence into listening to where you're retaining and processing and not just shooting something back, which I'm certainly guilty of a lot of the time. You know, I really have to check myself. But again, these podcasts are exercises in focus and presence and, and, and being here right now, which is why uh, uh, another reason why I love doing them so much on a weekly basis. But anyway, I, I just I brought up teaching because I know that's something that you have a lot of experience with, um, that we all have a lot of experience with. And I think there are some really important lessons underlying at the foundation of teaching that everybody listening here, even if they're not a drum teacher or a music teacher or whatever, can take away because every day you're sharing with somebody else and you can't mm. have one answer for everybody in the world. And you also can't expect the same things from everybody in the world. And you know, you, you kind of have to step back and try to figure out what the best way to approach somebody is. Here's the last thing I'll say, and I want to turn it over. Um, I was talking about this when we started the podcast today. There were, there's been some things with the new house that I've been frustrated about with our builder. And I saw the builder outside at the house next door and I was sort of fired up. So like I walked over and I just started like going, you know, like I haven't gotten pissed off in a while. I was pretty pissed off. Um, and you know, whether it's whether it was like whether I earned that right to be pissed off or not, I didn't check his temperature first to see if he was ready to receive that information. I didn't give him the chance to tell me whether it was a good time because he has 10,000 things happening in his life or who knows. I mean, for all I know, he could have just gotten horrible news, you know, and I just went over there and like started unloading and his response to me was like, I got to be honest, like, I don't appreciate the way you're coming at me right now. And that was good. Like, I was, I was glad he said that because it, 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 it was that wedge that got thrown into it that made me stop and say, you know what, wait a minute. And it was a very quick thing in my mind, but I was like, you know what, I'm not practicing what I preach. I'm not being a good listener. 
I'm not approaching somebody the way that I tell people to approach people, you know, approach others. Let me take a step back and I, I apologize. You know what? I'm sorry. I'm heated up. This is not directed at you. Let me, let me start over. If it's cool, I want to share with you where I'm feel what I'm feeling. And then what's cool is I got a message from, I, I we texted a little bit and then I got a message from them. It was like, Hey, I just wanted to know, like, you've been a great customer. We'll, we'll take care of things for you. I appreciate the follow up that you did today. Um, so there's a lesson there. It's like, you might not get it right the first time, but it's never too late to stop in your tracks and say, you know what, wait a minute, I'm going about this wrong. Let me, let me, let me take a step back here and start over if you'll let me, you know? So I, I just thought that was an important lesson. And it's something again, that I've, I think can tie to, to my experience as an educator and teacher and somebody who's dealing with all sorts of personalities. So that's what I got. I'm going to make a, a, a couple points real quick. Uh, Matt, with that, again, I think that that just goes back to meeting people where they are. And of course, if you walk into a situation like a new student coming to you and, and you are just unsure, of course, it's it's always great to ask first, right? Yeah. And then it's really important, something we talk about all the time, is, is creating that space so that whether it's a, a very intimate relationship or this kind of relationship, a, a business relationship, you know, something of that nature where... Uh, it's important to create the space so that both feel comfortable in it so that you can, you know, go out and, and say what you want to say, speak your truth, right? Yeah. Um, I think levity is important in really uh, heated moments. So I just wanted to ask quickly, were you wearing a mask? Uh, no, neither <laughs> of us were wearing a mask. Right. See, you know, look, look how quickly, like eight weeks ago, Matt Halpern would have been like, I can't go out the house. I got to put, you know, goggles on and, and a <laughs> e-suit you know, the whole nine and get the stuff to spray to just to distract the bee, this guy, you know, to go ask him or tell him how you were feeling. But yeah. look, nonetheless, uh, I was six feet away though. So that's good. Did you bring a ruler? Well, no, he was in his car and I was on the other side of his vehicle. He's got a big wide truck and I wasn't touching it or leaning Did on you it. You lay so. down. You're like, you know, you're right um, there. It was, yeah. Uh, like you could have laid me between <laughs> he and he and myself and, and it, we wouldn't have touched. So that's good. Okay. Uh, just making sure as yeah, your friend. All good. Um, Chris, uh, something that you brought up earlier was that I think you said 2017 was when you started touring full time. Mm -hmm. uh, so that I'm sure there was a big uh, adapting kind of period of your normal life at home to now you're kind of full on the road. Relationships change. Your morning coffee routine may have changed. Uh, I, I'm curious, is there like one or two maybe uh, key things, variables that stick out uh, from what you learned adapting then to what you were able to then apply to when the coronavirus hit, what's going on now. Uh, I'm curious if, if you could kind of reflect on that and let us know, is there something you learned then that you're applying now? And I just want to know, are you working out at home? Are you still getting it in? Just want to know. Uh, to your last question, no, I've, I've embraced being lazy uh, in, in that kind of sense. Um, I'm generally, um, <laughs> I'm generally pretty when I'm in workout mode, like it's, it's, um, I'm pretty hardcore with it, I suppose, in the sense that I'm, I'm literally there six days a week. Um, same time, like I, I, I get in a, a pretty, when I'm in a routine with it, th that routine, nothing kind of breaks it. And, um, I've, I've, in the past, I've thought maybe I'm like a bit obsessive with this, um, in terms of like, if, if, if I don't get to go at that certain time, I feel kind of weird about it. Like, it's almost like it's a, it's like an OCD. Like, I don't think I'm really an OCD type of person, but if I don't get that in, 
um, I get really hard on myself and I feel weird about it. So I, a couple of years ago, I kind of took a step back and, and, and was like, okay, I'm not, I don't have a healthy relationship with, with exercise, um, uh, which, um, um, sorry, thank you. Um, I don't really have a healthy relationship with it. So I need to make sure I, I check that and, um, and get healthier. I'm, yes, I'm, you are. I'm, sorry, my girlfriend's just pouring in some more coffee. So that's, uh, <laughs> I'm no. just imagining what people listening to the podcast version are thinking right now. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, no, sorry, we, sorry about did we lay the context that it's very early in the morning where you are? It is later at night where we are. Well, and, <laughs> right. and I have a zoo at my house right now too. <laughs> no, sorry. That, I that keep was my, thinking it's going to start raining on me. So like, I mean, I think we're all in this together. Jordan. I, I got these fake ass trees. I'm good right now. You are. Yeah. You're just set. It's quiet That's, there. That's good. <laughs> so, sorry about that. Yeah. Go on. So, go on. Um, uh, so I, I've learned to just not be as hard on myself about that sort of stuff. So I've kind of just in this time, I, I really, um, enjoy the, the, the gym environment of just being in there and just, I have a one purpose for being there. And I, it's not anything else other than trying to, trying to, um, you know, get, get fit or, or get stronger. Like most, most of the training that I do is, is strength training. So I, that's my focus when I'm there. I'm, I'm not like a big cardio kind of guy most of the time. So, um, I've learned that to just be a bit kind of myself and not worry too much about it. Um, gyms are reopening here, I think next week. Um, uh, which is they've been closed now for uh, it's probably around three three months, I suppose. So I know as soon as um, uh, they reopen, they open back up. I'll I'll be in there. So um, I'm I haven't been very very strict with myself, which is probably not the best thing to do. But I also I'm I'm looking at at rather than just physical health, it's also like a mental health um, kind of aspect where where I know I can go a little bit overboard with things. So. Um, so yeah, so to answer your question, no, I've been literally. I've been the only exercise I've been doing is walking to my studio most days, which is a half an hour walk, um, which is which is nice, and I really enjoy that. Um, but that's been, been more or less my exercise routine. Um, uh, my sister, who is a, a personal trainer, would not be pleased to hear that, but um, it is what it is, I suppose. Um, it may be better uh, than most people who are sedentary and might not do anything, right? So, I mean, look, look, your average person, if, if they're not doing something, uh, get up and, like, pick a spot over there and, and walk to it. Yeah. Like, that's a movement practice. It doesn't have to, you know, look, that we, I have a very all-or-nothing approach to uh, a lot of things. So, so and, and I'm, I'm right there with you, that if, maybe if <laughs> I don't feel like I have enough time to go get it in, then I, I might not go for that workout. But, you know, then we start to like have that conversation with ourselves of like, look, maybe 15 minutes is still better than nothing. So just like if I just pick a spot over there, but I mean, look, you're walking a half an hour. That's real. You know, give yourself some credit for that for sure. Your sister would yeah. be proud. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, she, she's, she's pretty hard line with it too. So, so maybe not. Um, but any, anyway, um, but no, in, to, to your other question, you know, the, the going from from no, from very little, you know, touring to a lot of touring was was a big a big 
changed. Like I've been with my partner Amy for uh, 11 years now. Um, so she obviously knew going into the relationship that I was a musician, but I wasn't touring anywhere near as much as I was now. So when, when the Pliny offered me, you know, at least a year's worth of touring in which began at the very beginning of 2018, I, um, I said, man, I'm in, but I'm going to check with, with Amy first, because if she's not, if she's not cool with it, then I'm, I'm kind of not, I won't do it. Um, uh, just because we've built a life together and we've, we've been living together for, you know, uh, what, nine years now, I guess, uh, more or less. Um, so I wanted to make sure that, that she was fine with it. And if, and like I said, if she had have said no, then I wouldn't be here having this conversation now, you know what I mean? Um, uh, and, and, and that was fine. Like I was happy if that, that's the way it was, was going to be. Then I was still playing music a lot at home. I was still teaching a lot. Like it's not like I was giving up the drums or music. Um, but she was of course, um, very supportive and very, very stoked, um, for me that, that, that I was going to get to experience this. And, and, you know, I think she, she said, more or less something like this is what you've been working towards. So, um, so, you know, that was a, that was a big change and, and that took a lot of adapting, just, you know, maintaining that relationship or well, my relationship with her, um, whilst being away. I think the, the, the first year, like in t 2018, I was more or less gone the whole year. Um, we, we, we did a tour of India in February. We did, seven weeks in the US through April and May. Um, in March, we recorded um, uh, drums for, for Pliny's Sunhead EP. Then we went to, we got home from the US and then 10 days later, we we're in Europe for, um, you know, I think four weeks, came home for a month, went back to Europe for three weeks, was home for a month, toured Australia. Well, yeah, and then we en then we ended the, the the year in in Europe for I think five to six weeks. So, you know, that was a, a big change. Like, yeah, literally going from occasional travel to I'm just not there the whole time. Like that that took a, a, a lot of adapting on both of our parts. You know, like she was used to having me around all the time, and and she had to adapt her life um, to not having me around. You know. Um, I think one one thing that that probably helped her um, was she started studying um, at the beginning of 2018. So that kind of was able she was able to stay a little bit preoccupied with that. Um, um, but just the communication thing that was the, the hardest part for me. I'm not really like a big um, phone guy. Like I I obviously have a phone, but I'm not. I try not to spend all my time on it, um, which is not great. In it's great in some ways, but it's also not great in other ways. So it's not great when you're halfway across the world and you have to keep a relationship going smoothly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, so it's a different skill. It's a skill you have to develop, actually. Totally, totally, one hundred percent. And it's I'm not saying I'm I've perfected it now, um, but I'd I'd like to think that I've I've gotten better with it. And and um, yeah, I think that first first year in India that was pretty rough. We were, we were only gone for 
I think it was 10 days all up. So it wasn't super long, but then the, the seven week tour of the U S um, straight into Europe for like, I was gone for three months like that. That was, that was the, the, the biggest test, you know, um, I was home for, for 10 days in the middle of that, but pretty sure she got really sick during that time. So it wasn't like we were, we were, um, yeah, we were roaming around the city, having a great time together. It's like, Oh, well, you're unwell. We've got to make sure you stay well. And, and whatnot, you know, I, we went to see um, uh, Solange play at the the Sydney Opera House, and oh, it was oh. it was unreal. It was, I still maintain it was one of the best gigs I've ever seen. But but she was sick through the whole time, so my experience of it was a lot better than hers. And um, uh, yeah, so you know, it, it, that was that was a lot of a lot to adapt to is just that that change of not waking up next to someone to say you know. Um, uh, every day uh yeah like i said we we're used to that routine and then that that's just broken and you know it was it was hard for me as well of course um i had a lot of things to distract me but it was still lonely in that kind of sense as even though i'm surrounded by friends and and whatnot there's that companionship that you 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 have with your partner that that friends yeah they they can fill the gap, but it's not, it's not the same. You know what I mean? Um, it's just a different level. So not having that in my day to day existence was, was a lot to, to get used to. And I don't think that you really do get used to it, but I think you just get better at adapting to how it is. And, you know, um, it becomes, yeah, the it, sacrifice it becomes normal. It, it becomes a, a sort of sure. normal. It's, it's, you, you end up having these these two very different sort of parallel lives, one at home, which is normal. And the more you do this, the more we travel, the more you, you, you shift into this other sort of uh, reality. And now this is the normal thing. And the yeah. conversations change and the, the, the way that you communicate changes. And it's just, it's a challenge, man. The good thing is, you had, I mean, I was, I was going to start clapping for Amy because I'm glad that she was, I'm glad that she gave you the, the, the go ahead to do this stuff because it's, you know, it's important that you are doing what, what you're able to do. But, um, I, I can't imagine being in a relationship for so long without this aspect of it and then having to adapt to that versus my relationship, which was, you know, from the beginning, just so you know, this is what I do. And, Right, you know, right. a month or two into it, I was on tour and it's like, okay, you know, this is, this is the test. And it's like, it hasn't been nine years or, 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 you know, eight years of living together, you know, now. So it's, it's something that like, you know, we, we, we sort of talked about a little bit with, with Mario when he was our guest a couple of weeks back, you know, him being in the service, he was gone for a lot longer than any, you know, than three months or any, any sure. long since that we've done. Um, but again, it just goes back to like communication and being present with the people you love when you can, whether you're across the world or when you're right next to them. And it's still my, it's still the top three biggest challenges on a day to day basis for me with the people around me. Cause it is, it's almost in some ways not to go off on a tangent. I know Jordan wanted to say something, but it's almost harder sometimes to be more present when you are with somebody every day versus when you are away 
because mm-hmm. it's just a different focus of maintaining the relationship and, and you carve out time to have that one big talk a day versus seeing somebody throughout the day, every day and how you interact, you know? Um, so that's a challenge too in and of itself, or it can be at least when you have a lot going on, you know? Um, but yeah, anyway, Jordan, what were you going to, what were you going to say? Well, look, like just to kind of respect all of our time right now. Um, cause I know, you know, for us, it's a bit later. Uh, and, and, and for Chris, he has a whole day ahead of him right now. <laughs> um, Look, there's so many things that I would like to add on to a lot of these different conversations, uh, whether it's uh, communication, whether it's adapting to change, whether it's music education. I have so much to say, um, and this is why we'll continue having these these episodes, but also daily conversations in the Facebook group. Um, but, but Chris, I, I'm just curious uh, to kind of start to take us home. Um, you talked a lot about education. You talked a lot about drumming. You, you know, you touched on your relationship. You touched on your fitness. Uh, I'm just wondering, like, is there anything else in your life right now? And maybe it's something that you've spent more time uh, attending to since you've been at home. Like, is there anything else that you just like get super, super pumped about or make you feel completely alive? Like, what are you fucking, uh, what are you fucking with? Yeah, well... I know you guys chatted for about 45 minutes with Ronnie about uh, coffee, but, uh, you know, that, that's definitely um, a morning obsession um, for sure. Uh, but the one thing, actually, one thing that I have started since, since uh, I guess, COVID kind of hit, um, hit Australia was, was I've, I'm starting to cook more. Um, I've, I've been like a very ordinary cook my whole my whole life and I, uh, I still would say I'm very much an ordinary cook but um, I'm I've been yeah just cooking a lot more Amy is a, a fantastic cook so they're kind of um, it kind of got to a, a point a few years ago where it's just like well I don't want to eat your shitty food um, when I know I can make something better uh, and and we'll both enjoy it more and it's like, okay, yeah, sure. So for a long time, I, I kind of took a back seat there, but um, I've just been cooking a lot more and, and getting into that. And and, um, and that's been really enjoyable. Um, I, I enjoy the, the time, my time when I'm, when I'm preparing food. I'm incredibly slow at preparing food, um, which is frustrating to Amy, who's very natural. And um, I love also, the uh, irony of that. Not to cut you off. Yeah. I love the irony of you being slow to prepare food. Because for you guys that don't know, yep. he inhales food when he eats it. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I um, I do have a. Uh, I'm known for being an incredibly fast eater, but I'm I can now be known as the very slow preparer as well. Um, so <laughs> I'm making up a time, I suppose. I, I don't know. It's genius. Um, I love it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've re- been really enjoying just the process of 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 learning to cook better and, and trying different dishes. Like I cooked, um, Okonomiyake last night, which is like a Japanese pancake, um, which was, um, it was like a six out of 10. Um, I was expecting a four out of 10, but it was like, it was was all right. The, the, the sauce has really pulled it together, which I didn't create. So I, I shouldn't take all the credit, but, um, nevertheless, um, yeah, I think that's kind of been one thing that I've really been doing. And, and what I really love about about cooking is that I just have a let's say I'm preparing for an hour I just throw on headphones or listen to a podcast or listen to music and I'm just kind of 
in my own space and just I, I enjoy that about it. Um, uh, just being able to focus on one thing and just um, yeah, it could it's a great time for me to listen to new music or old music or, or yeah podcasts or anything like that. Um, and, and kind of do something undistracted, um, which is which has re- been really great. So that's really been something that that um, I've enjoyed um, through all this, um, the, all the changes that has been happening through the last you know few months for everyone. Um, yeah. I guess that's outside music. That's what I've been kind of focusing on. It's funny. I, I mean, I, d- I definitely have gotten more into cooking now that I've been home more. Natalie, my wife, is such a badass cook that, like, I, I kind of stay out of her kitchen, as I call it. Um, yeah. But for the same reasons that you just mentioned, it's just, it's a very engaging, um, an engaging process that forces you to be present. And if you're not present, you know it because you fuck it up. And it's the same thing as, <laughs> yeah. it's the same reason why I like making coffee the way I do because I, I really have to be focused. And it's so evident to me that if I'm distracted, it's just not anywhere near as good as it could be. Um, and I think that's, that's the love that we put into all of these, these things. And, and I don't know, that's the importance of, of, uh, of just being present in general. It shows that you, you really care about what you're doing and, and the, the objects of the people you're doing it with. So, um, yeah, Jordan, you want to uh, take us out? Uh, that is what I'm here to do. Well, I think and that's, a, I mean, that's just a good message to leave it with. I think it's like two things. Ch- continue to challenge yourself to find things to invest in during this time that you wouldn't normally do with the time you have and do it with presence and then learn how to apply that presence to all of the other things and interactions that you have um, because it will make your life and hopefully others better especially when it comes to cooking food because nobody wants to eat a shit meal that you didn't pay attention to cooking. So, yep. there you go. Yep. It, particularly me. I love my food, so if I'm eating something shitty, I don't feel good. <laughs> me too, exactly. <laughs> and it's generally if it's shitty food, it's because I've cooked it, so I want to eliminate that as much as possible. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll eat your food still. Chris, I haven't seen you. <laughs> Chris, I haven't seen your pictures of food, but I do see what Matt posts. And I would say uh, there are many times I've been jealous of what I know he was about to just eat after taking that picture. Yeah, and lately it's been shit that Natalie's cooking. So you guys can, like, come eat whenever. Just wear your mask that has the hole in it, you know? Okay. (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, I'm actually looking forward to seeing this this house that uh, was constructed by this... uh, this builder that you have made a breakthrough in, in relationship building with today. Pretty much. So, uh, look, Matt, you should know me by now. I've been paying attention to the entire uh, conversation. I, I have found my way to synthesize what we covered, uh, to go out with, uh, with some value to the people who gave us the, the, the gift of their attention and, and time by listening today. Um, but, but first I want to say, Chris, it was really incredible to meet you. I, I sincerely like you, uh, dude, like Matt has the best friends. I'm telling you, like, it's, it's really, really uh, lovely to be able to get to meet and hang and instantly feel a a, a nice connection with so many different people, uh, as far away as Australia. So thank you, Chris, for being here and giving us your time so early in your morning. 
Oh no, thank you guys for having me. It's um, it's uh, it's pretty wild to, to to be on here with with you guys. Um, again, it just comes back to that whole thing that I mentioned earlier of the whole everything being surreal about you know what's happened with with my career over the last couple of years. Um, so getting to, I, I remember listening to this podcast um when you were originally doing it in two thousand like around two thousand seventeen and. A friend of mine, he was like, oh, man, you've got to listen to the Benny episode. Yeah, 100%. I was like, okay, cool. And then that was the first one I checked out. And then to think that a couple of years later I'm actually on it is kind of weird. So um, thank you guys for, for, for doing it um, uh, first and foremost, but then for also having me. It's been uh, a pleasure chatting to all you guys. Anytime, man. Yeah, thanks, man. Thank um, and, and I personally would love to continue the conversation. It would be cool in the future to have you back again. Um, but as I plug the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash chocolate croissants, uh, I would also welcome you to be a part of that community as well. Absolutely, um, man. Yeah, so, um, and, and for anyone else who listened to me saying that, you are warmly welcomed as well. It is a private, supportive, positive group uh, of, of creative people who are committed to their own self-improvement. And uh, as we talked about in our philosophy of being good educators, uh, I'd argue the best educators are the best role models for their students. And there are many wonderful uh, role models within that group. Uh, Justin, I saw your finger went up. I don't know if you wanted to say one last thing. Just quickly, uh, Chris, if you have the time, we would love to see your morning coffee routine. There's a little thread going on. So if you want to share it with us, we would love that. I'd also love to see you start your own thread of cooking. Uh, and maybe you can be the uh, humble judge. Cooking with Chris. Uh, cooking with Chris. Cooking. A wonderful alliteration. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, sure. Let, let's Thank do you. it. Thank you for your uh, your humble uh, six, Jordan. <laughs> All right. Well, now that Justin gave Chris more work to do on his time off, um, look, the theme. Yeah, he's trying to be like Benny Greb. Benny Greb does it all, man. Uh, no, he does. No, yeah. no doubt about it. He uh, also told me to, uh, to not eat as fast. So there you, there you go. So he's looking out, he's looking out for me as well. So. I well, appreciate it. <laughs> as, as a musician, you do know more than most that timing is everything. Uh, and I think the, the major theme I take away from this conversation uh, was listening. Uh, most people paying attention to this episode is likely a creative of some kind. Uh, many of us are drummers or musicians. Uh, I would argue that the best drummers, the best musicians are the best listeners. Uh, I've worked in the field of professional wrestling. I often argue that the best, most successful pro wrestlers are the best listeners. They listen to the audience in the moment. Uh, I would also argue that the most successful human beings, more generally, uh, are the best listeners. And listening goes far beyond what you hear. Uh, reading body language is listening. Uh, paying attention to the climate of the culture is listening. Uh, it's being in rhythm with whomever you're interacting with. Uh, many of us uh, know uh, quite plainly right now uh, that the black community certainly deserves more listening right now. Uh, and if you're going on tour, uh, then, then you're made. You got to be listening to them too. So if, if you take anything from this conversation, I, I hope it's uh, to become a better listener and, and to perhaps understand that listening can be a bit broader than what many of us have in mind. That is how I'm going to go out on this episode. Uh, Chris, thanks again. Justin, Matt, thank you for joining me as well. 
we are on a streak of wonderful conversations and wonderful episodes that I feel more grateful to have been a part of. Uh, we will see you all in the Facebook group. Uh, and until next time, I'd ask that you be kind to yourself and listen to these bells. <laughs> and then I'm going to say a bye-bye.